brethren. Brother Bob here again. Before I get started, I want to reiterate something that I have not shared in a in a while in my podcast. When I use the terms believer or Christian, brethren, brother or sister, child of God, saved or saint in my podcast, I'm always referring to or speaking about people who profess to be eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again people. Everything that I share in these podcasts are directed at born-again people. With that said, I'm quite aware that there are many false believers out there in Christendom. However, I don't determine people to be false brethren because of what they're teaching, but by what gospel they profess to believe in. The scriptures are loaded with examples of uh, carnal, rebellious, disobedient children who the writers of the books of the Bible, especially the New Testament, who they recognize as still being brothers or sisters in Christ. That's because they knew you don't determine someone's eternal salvation by how they're living their life. So in this podcast, I'm going to explain what happens when a believer is led by their emotions instead of their brain. Here are some questions. Your answers will reveal if you're a thinking believer or an emotionally led believer. Why do so many believers in the church believe that any Christian who is not living up to a certain level of spiritual morality or maturity or biblical integrity is probably not saved? And why do so many believers assume that if a brother or sister in Christ is living a wicked or rebellious life, that they probably never got saved to begin with? And why do so many believers assume that anyone who is truly saved or born again would never, ever live their life in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord. Now, before you answer those questions, let me say this. Any Bible believer with a basic first-grade understanding of the truths of Scriptures knows that the Bible is loaded with examples of carnal, rebellious believers whom the Lord called his children in spite of their carnality. And yet, there are many in the church who doubt that a person's really saved if they're not living righteously and repentantly. What is it about the biblical fact that the free gift of eternal life is free that they just aren't understanding. Now, I'm not saying that it's a good thing or it's all, the Lord's okay with his children living either rebellious or lackadaisical spiritual lives. In fact, throughout the scriptures, we read of believers who were doing things like that, and they did not please the Lord. And many times they suffered because of their disobedient, rebellious attitude. But nevertheless, how they lived their Christian lives was not a determining factor if they're eternally saved or not. I hope you're understanding this. Why is it that so many well-meaning born-again believers believe that a true born-again believer has to maintain a certain walk of faith or a walk of integrity in order to prove that they're really saved? I personally believe that the main reason that many of God's people come to the conclusion that anyone who says they're saved and still lives an immoral or disobedient Christian life is not really eternally saved is because they're determining spiritual truths totally through their feelings, i.e. through their emotions, and not through their God-created brains. Emotionally-led believers simply don't believe it's right, i.e. doesn't feel right, for God to save people who are willfully choosing to live carnal, earthly lives. Now, these emotionally-deceived believers have good intentions when they think this way, but as we all know, the road to hell is paved with people who had good intentions. Now, it makes human sense for a faithful believer to see a carnal believer who is openly and unapologetically rejecting the ways of Christ as being unsaved, but it does not make biblical sense to think that way. Again, is the free gift of eternal salvation free, or is it only free if someone maintains it once they receive it? It's absolutely free. It's as free as the air we breathe. How we get it is through a free gift 
of the gospel of Christ. We can never lose it for being bad because we never got it for being good in the first place. Again, that's why you will never read any of the writers of the New Testament church epistles questioning a person's eternal salvation because of how they're living their lives. The only time that any New Testament epistle writer questions a professing believer's salvation is when a false gospel comes into play. Like with the Galatians, the Galatians were starting to believe in a works gospel. A works gospel does not save anybody, no matter how sincere they are. Now listen carefully to what I'm sharing next. A lot of you born-again believers aren't going to realize this, and you're sure not going to admit it, but just think about this. The problem with the thinking process of emotionally driven believers, regardless of how sincere they might be, is that if they think that a carnal believer can lose their salvation because of the way they're living their life, then in reality, these emotionally-led believers are believing in a works gospel. They're thinking a believer has to believe in the gospel of Christ plus maintain a certain walk in order to keep their salvation. That's a works gospel. That's a lordship salvation gospel. Both of those are false gospels. Again, is salvation free or not? Is the free gift of eternal life freely given to all who simply believe in the gospel of Christ? Or is salvation only free if a believer maintains a godly walk after they get born again? Eternal salvation is absolutely free. Again, as I share quite often, eternal salvation is as free as the air we breathe. And for the thousandth time, I ask the question, if no one got the free gift of eternal life for being good, why would they lose it for being bad? Now, I share this quite often on my other podcast. I'm not going to get into it now, but I do believe a person can be truly born again and then walk away from the faith and renounce Christ as their Savior. If you publicly renounce I no longer believe that Christ died to pay for my sins. Well, you know what? You're going to spend eternity paying for your own. But being a carnal believer and not living for the Lord is not the same thing as renouncing your faith. Okay, as long as you don't deny Christ as your Savior, when you die, you're going to go. You're not going to go to hell. You're promised that you're going to have eternal life when you die. Now, again, the Lord's not going to be too pleased with you if you lived your life simply being born again and not trying to please Him, but not pleasing him is not going to send you to hell. You need to understand it. I got a couple other podcasts out there. Please, please listen to them. It'll explain that a lot better. Now, unfortunately, because so many believers use their spiritual hearts, i.e. feelings, instead of their spiritual brains when determining biblical truth, they obviously see a carnal believer as someone who has turned their back on the commandments of God's word, which in turn leads them to foolishly assume that since the carnal believer is in sin, They have rejected Christ, which means they are no longer saved. Again, this belief that a carnal, unrepentant believer is not saved is based solely on the unbiblical concept that all saved people must maintain a certain walk of biblical or spiritual integrity or faithfulness in order to stay eternally saved. As pious as that concept sounds, it's absolutely unbiblical. So again, let me ask you the question for the hundredth time. Is the free gift of eternal life really free, as the Bible clearly says? Or is the free gift of eternal life only free if a person somehow through good works or righteous living manages to maintain it? And if a person has to maintain their eternal salvation, what do they do? How many good works do you have to do? How much good do you have to be? How much sin confessed do you have to be? You have to be perfectly sin confessed in order to receive the free gift? Doesn't sound like a free gift to me. And if you have to be perfectly sin-confessed to keep the free gift, it doesn't sound like a gift at all, does it? Sounds like something we need to work for. Now, I say this next thing sarcastically, but it I mean what I say. 
If a person can't be sure that the free gift of eternal life isn't free through faith in the free gospel of Christ, then what biblical message should I believe that would assure me that I'm eternally saved and a blood-bought child of God? What message would I share? I'd have to have some kind of works gospel. And then I would have to know which works to do and how many times do I have to do them. I would have to know, do I need to be faithful 10 hours a day or 24 hours a day or do I need to be faithful 24-7? Do I need to only sin five times a day or do I need to repent every day? What do I need to do? If, it, if it's not free, as the Bible says, I need to know exactly what I need to do to know what it takes to be born again and to be eternally saved. See, you can't explain that to anybody unless you explain to them that eternal salvation is free apart from anything that you and I could ever do because we can never do a single thing to save our sorry butts from hell. It's all the work of Christ. He gets all the credit. It's a free gift that God gives the world, and we get it by believing that his son hung on them nails to pay for our sins, period. End of discussion. No strings attached. If you're a person who believes you have to believe in the gospel of Christ, plus do stuff to stay saved, then you might as well get in line with the, the Mormons and the JWs and the Catholics because that's the gospel that they preach to their people and they're all lost, headed to hell. I believe there are a couple Reasons why so many of God's people sincerely but foolishly add a walk of righteousness necessity to one's salvation process. One of the reasons they do that is because they don't understand how the judgment seat of Christ works. It's important for everybody to understand this. I've done like six podcasts on this. You need to listen to those. The judgment seat of Christ is a rewards judgment. Any born-again believer who ends up at the judgment seat of Christ is not going to hell, no matter how carnal, disobedient, or wicked they lived their life. The Bible clearly teaches that there's going to be some believers who are saved by the skin of their teeth. That means the only reason they're not going to hell is there was a genuine time in their life when they truly trusted and accepted Christ as their Savior. And another reason why so many people believe in this righteousness procedure gospel is that since they don't understand how the judgment seat of Christ works, they take it upon themselves to be the judge for if a person is saved or not saved based on what seems right in their own eyes. Many Christians do the exact same feely thing when coming to the conclusion that drinking alcohol is sinful. These alcohol abstainers look at how the world abuses alcohol and then foolishly assume that because the world abuses alcohol, that drinking of alcohol must be a sin and God must be against it. These alcohol abstainers believe that God must also see how the world abuses alcohol and must also believe, like they do, that it's wrong for his children to drink it. The funny thing is, this world abuses sex much more than alcohol. And yet, I bet you all these married Christian couples don't abstain from sex simply because the world abuses sex. Listen, brethren, falling away from a righteous walk with the Lord is a bad thing to do. However, it is not the same thing as renouncing your faith. These two concepts are completely different animals. The scriptures are replete with carnal believers. Adam and Eve were carnal children of God. All those adult believers in Egypt who initially believed God, and remember they put the, the blood of the innocent lamb on their mantle and they were saved, and then the Lord rescued them out of Egypt, and then you know what? He ended up killing them all. All the millions of adults that came out of Egypt and only Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. The rest the Lord killed, took out, wiped out, punished, gave them sicknesses, diseases, all kinds of stuff. All right, So they were still his children when he was doing that. They didn't stop being his children. They were just carnal children. Kings Saul, David, and Solomon, just to name a few, were carnal children of God. 
Now, granted, some of the carnal believers did repent of their carnality, but many others did not. Jeremiah 15, verse 5 through 6. Indeed, who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will mourn for you? Or who will turn aside to ask for your welfare? You who have forsaken me, declares the Lord, you keep going backward. So I will stretch out my hand against you and I will destroy you. I am tired of your relenting sins. The New Testament epistles are loaded with examples of carnal, behaving, unrepentant believers, whom the writers of those New Testament church epistles still consider to be believers. Now listen to the words carefully. These are verses written to born-again believers. These are for, to, or against born-again believers. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of the flesh, as to infants, babies. The word infant there actually means simple-minded. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, not even now you're not able to receive it. You're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere unbelievers? James chapter 4. Verses 1 through 5. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you, brethren? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from your fellow brothers. Yet you don't have what you don't want because you don't ask for the right reason. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You're only seeking after things that will give you pleasure. You spiritual adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Let me say that again, James says. If carnal believers want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Verse 5 clearly shows that we're talking to believers. Listen to this. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? Thus, it says that God is passionate about the spirit that he has placed within us so that we shall be faithful to him. Again, obviously, these verses are written to believers. Only born-again believers have the spirit of the living God indwelling them. I know there's a lot of believers in the church that think, well, once you're born again and you're truly born again, you're going to just go on this steady path of growing and maturing, and you might stumble once in a while, but you just, you're always going to keep moving forward, and God's going to make sure you, you get across the finish line. That's not what Christ taught. Listen to what Christ said, Matthew 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it out of their heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the believer who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That means they got born again. Yet they have no firm root in their spiritual lives, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, Immediately they fall away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the believer who hears the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word out and they become unfruitful. Now the ones who are called believers in here, the ones who hear the message and believe it, are believers, born-again believers. And yet we see that not all the born-again believers are faithful there's some believers who just, for whatever sinful reasons, fall away from the faith and choose to go the way of the world. Doesn't mean that they lose their salvation because, again, is salvation a free gift or is it something you have to work for? Again, brethren, not everyone who gets born again is going to stay faithful in their spiritual walk. If that was the case, the churches would be on fire for Christ throughout the world. The American church wasn't, wouldn't be in the spiritual decay that it's in. Churches would be out there preaching the message on the streets with the lost. They'd be... They'd be in the 
in, involved in politics and they be out there standing firm and holding strong for the truths and the moral values of God's word. They wouldn't be compromising God's doctrine to fit into society's ways. We don't see that, do we? So many in the church are not faithful in their walk. Even when they go to church on Sundays, they think, well, I'm being faithful. There's much more to being a faithful Christian than simply going to church on Sundays. The Lord has a lot of instructions and commandments in the New Testament church epistles that he expects his children to obey. And we would, and when we choose not to obey them, we're not being faithful. We are being unfaithful, irregardless of what we think we are. Now, it's obvious from the verses that I just read that not all of God's eternally saved, blood-brought, born-again children are going to maintain a spiritual walk which pleases the Lord their entire life. It's also obvious from the verses that I read that the Lord does not believe that a child of God forfeits or loses their eternal salvation if they go carnal or fall away or become a lukewarm believer. Again, how can a believer lose something that they didn't deserve in the first place? It's also obvious from these verses and many other Bible verses that are similar that not having a godly walk of righteousness is not what determines if someone is saved or not. Trust me, none of God's carnal children are getting away with how they're choosing to live their carnal lives. Again, if more believers understood the seriousness of what's going to happen to believers, both good and bad, at the judgment seat of Christ, they would do as the scriptures say and work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Again, I encourage you to check out my podcast that explain how the judgment seat of Christ works. Brethren, you need to stop running your spiritual lives entirely through your feelings. Your emotions will always lead you astray. Yeshua Christ was clear. True worshipers of God must worship the Lord in spirit while using the truths of scriptures. To choose to try to worship the Lord entirely through your feelings is obviously unbiblical. Just as it's unwise and unbiblical to determine biblical truth using your heart instead of your mind. I'm afraid that there are many in the church who sincerely but naively believe that their, their relationship with the Lord is good based on how they're feeling about themselves and the Lord. Instead of on if what they're doing for the Lord is biblical. Brethren, don't let your feelings sidetrack you. And please, please, please don't go along with the peer pressure in the church. For the most part, the church is spiritually dead. You don't need to cave into those societal truths and the societal doctrines that are running rampant through the churches these days. Remember, it's about pleasing the Lord. At the judgment seat of Christ, it's Yeshua Christ you'll answer to. Okay? And he's going to open up that book in front of you, and he's going to say, Sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, explain to me why you believe what you believed, and then show me in the Bible why you believe what you believed. I'm telling you. Okay? I'm going to sign off here. This is your true friend in Christ, Brother Bob. And always remember, the only way to separate a biblical lie from a biblical truth is to know your scriptures.